Hey, welcome back to episode 119 of the Collector's Quest podcast. It's been a while, guys, I know. I know you want to keep up to date with all the latest market trends. Maybe you want to hear a new variant or something that you've never heard of before. So how about this week we're going to talk about the Magnavox Odyssey 2. Just the most super hot and relevant console. You know, Stefan just completed his Odyssey 2 set, so we figure it's a good time to talk about the collectability of it. Johnny's still not here this week, so I'm going to give all of you a pass on telling your friends about the show or giving us reviews on iTunes. How about just, we've been gone for three weeks, just keep listening to us, Jesus. All right, let's go. another episode of collector's quest i'm tyler not here with johnny here with stefan we're back after uh, what is like a two-year break yeah and, feel and we're too long too long tyler i i miss our talks oh yeah i know because i haven't been keeping in touch with you guys at all but uh for real it's been like three weeks since we put out an episode because we're bad people and you well, guys I have mean- we have we have me who have you know I have take care of my wife and my daughter and Johnny has a, a brand new uh, baby that that he's now sharing time with and Tyler you were uh, you were traveling you want to talk about that that's actually kind of interesting I think uh, I went to Poland for work uh, I was giving some training there to a team and first Poland is beautiful I, I thought Poland was gonna be like desolate I don't know anything about Poland basically what I know about Eastern Europe I think of like Half Life Two and uh, Stalker. That's not what Eastern Europe is, apparently. Maybe Ukraine. Or people know. or people like have in their heads that they like it's January all the time. Like I've been to Poland in January and it's pretty freaking cold. But uh but I, now it's so I, it's I nice. only brought pants and I was just sweating the whole trip. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's uh, it's nice this time of year. Yeah, do some research before you uh visit Poland because you won't know what's up. Uh, do you want to know about the retro games in Poland? Yeah, actually, I saw you uh, post about that. Yeah, so uh, you can get like a four-person meal in Poland at like a sit-down restaurant, a pretty nice place for like 40 bucks. It's the cheapest place I've ever visited. So I'm like, oh man, I'm going to stock up on PAL NES games, and they're absolutely nothing. It just doesn't exist. It's like the world began at the PlayStation 2, and that is uh, because fuck communism. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, because uh, of the Nazis. God damn it. so Polish was communist until like 1990. And then like, even then, like right after you come out of communism, it's not like everyone's going to buy a Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. Uh, so they had a, uh, the Pegasus was their Famiclone of choice. Uh, but I didn't even see any of that stuff. So uh, super boring in terms of looking for video games in Poland. Well, it's kind of like, you know, various like trade embargoes and stuff affects different territories too, like uh, popularity of, of, uh, of systems like, um, so Puerto Rico is also like has has a weird has a weird background for games like they just they like stuck with the Atari forever. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making this up, but definitely like dif- like politics actually factor into to win like certain territories that matured out of generations of consoles. 
Yeah, I had a Brazilian roommate in college, and from what he made it sound like, Brazil was just 10 years behind on video games all the time. So when his dad was able to smuggle an N64 into the country, it was like a huge deal for like his neighborhood that he got one. Yeah, I remember... God, and I wish I would have. I wish we would have. I've known we were talking about this, otherwise, I re- would have researched it. But I do remember reading an article where it was just like, yeah, the last produ- production, you know, 2600 cartridge in Brazil, right? And it was just like way, 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 way late. Like, and like when we were onto, you know, PlayStation and they were like still kicking out 2600 games. Well, I mean, I think there was a similar article about VCRs that was only like a few years ago. You're like, there was new VCRs still being made? Like, <laughs> right. What is going on? Yeah. Uh, but Stefan, what are we actually here to talk about? Uh, it's the So Johnny, you know, maybe Johnny was available and just wanted to duck out of this episode. And why is that? <laughs> he, did, he did say that he was going to listen in to us. So he, he might be back there somewhere. That's weird. <laughs> uh today we are talking about uh collecting for the odyssey 2 or uh rather our series name so you want to collect for the odyssey 2 uh, do i does anyone does I johnny think- Johnny definitely does not. I mean, you t- he doesn't like the 20 uh, 2600, so you know, things that are even older than that, you know, he I I can't imagine he would ever be interested in them unless there was like a halloween game on the odyssey 2 which there is not. Oh, there's so much homebrew, I guarantee you, someone <laughs> Halloween homebrew just ran out of ideas like, we're going to make a homebrew for every holiday because these games are so easy to make because they're so right. small. Yep. So I guess we have kind of our template. I feel like our first, even before we go into our template here, our first thing should really be what our credentials are because, uh, I mean, there are some systems, like, we basically do systems that we know a little bit about. Like, we haven't done one on the Neo Geo we haven't done one on the Game Boy Color because those aren't systems that we could really talk about with any real knowledge. That's true. So of the of the three of us regularly on this podcast, there are uh, there are two complete Odyssey two uh, U.S. sets, and that is my set and that is Tyler's set. Tyler's completed his uh, some time ago, uh, and I just completed mine like last week. So uh, I think now now is the perfect time for us to to talk about it because Tyler's definitely been in the scene uh, for a long time and has some things to say. And then I am sort of freshly off the heels of completing the set and probably have some new perspective there. So I think this is a good time to talk about it. Yeah, I uh, Odyssey 2 was one of the first consoles I was collecting because I uh, I got in with that Atari age crowd and those guys are real big nerds and they made me feel like, Everything like Super Nintendo Genesis, that stuff is garbage. All that matters is Atari and NES. And kind of the only other vintage console I was really drawn to was the Odyssey 2 for some reason. Uh, so I've been doing that for since like maybe 2006. And then a couple years ago, I finished up like Demon Attack Atlantis Power Lords, which all I'm sure were astronomically more expensive than they were 10 years ago. But still, the one thing you'll the one thing about Odyssey 2 is that it's unbelievably cheap. Maybe the cheapest system to collect, period. Yeah. So why don't we just go ahead and get that out of the way, you know, talk about it at the top. Um, sort of generally some some reasons why people would want to collect for Odyssey 2, because I guarantee there are a number of people listening to this podcast right now that have probably not heard or at least not very familiar with the system. So, Tyler, you had mentioned that you don't know why you were you gravitated toward it. Is that true? or or Because I, I, I know there's a couple, like, key points to that brought me to the system. So curious if there's, if there was anything that stood out, you know, that made you collect for it. 
I just kind of like the chunky way it looked. Like, I don't, it's something about the personality of the system. Like, you could look at in television games and they all have that, that kind of in television man look to them. And I kind of hate that. But the uh, Odyssey 2 games, they, uh, so let's get technical. The Odyssey 2 had a built in character set to build games with, uh, kind of like the character ROM on an NES cartridge. And the majority of games use that built-in set, so kind of every game looks the same. And uh, just the way they look is kind of appealing to me. Yeah, so for me, I think part of it was that I I did want to collect for something like the 2600, but as a set collector, the 2600 set is so daunting because, I don't know, is there anyone that has a definitive set of the 2600 to, to date? I don't believe so. I mean, there's, there's like a bunch of one-off cards so no yeah so so the odyssey 2 set really kind of scratched that itch aesthetically for that 2600 need but there's only 49 carts in the north american set so it was it was like i got the same feeling but it was very attainable um also the box art is just amazing like it has this very very like signature 70s aesthetic on almost every box and um and honestly it's it's just it's super cheap to collect for aside for like three games i think if you are you know looking at sets and feeling overwhelmed but still want to jump in to this hobby um i think you could do worse than odyssey 2 because it is a very attainable set and and it's they're just kind of fun neat aesthetically pleasing uh, pieces. So let's go into what the Odyssey is. So Ralph Baer made the Magnafox Odyssey released in 1972. It's kind of like the first home console. It's Pong. It's got board game elements to it. Uh, it's kind of a big old pile of garbage that ev- literally everything was thrown at the wall into one box. And that was released as the original Odyssey. Yeah. And those games also have like a lot of them have the uh, t- television overlays, much like um, the uh, Vectrex did. So, you know, you get your your various game aesthetics from a transparency that you put over the television rather than them actually trying to make the games look very different. Uh, yeah, because it's just black and white with basically no graphics and it had Pong paddle controllers that you just kind of twisted dials on the side. Yep. Uh, so... Odyssey 2, the second Odyssey console, except for the nine other Odyssey consoles that came out in between the Odyssey 1 (laughs) and 2, uh, which are all just variations of Pong consoles that are garbage. And I think basically no one collects them. They're pretty easy to even find sealed, um, but who cares? So uh, what's the Odyssey 2, Stefan? So the Odyssey 2 is the uh, uh, cartridge-based uh, system uh, of the Odyssey, like that. That I think is the the big defining um, uh, difference between you know generationally between the two. Um, the uh, is is the the cartridge uh, interchangeable cartridges that the the system had. Um, it uh, the uh, as as Tyler had mentioned that the consoles are actually fairly inexpensive. You can see uh, you can get them in the box fairly cheap. And there's only a couple couple variants to the console, right? There was the 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 first print had uh, had removable first controllers. First print, yeah, first print <laughs> uh, had removable controllers, and I know mine is that print because I'm missing the controllers. I was talking to Tyler about that. Um, they're not definitely not uh, just 
cut cords. Like there's actually ports on my on my Odyssey two for controllers, but I I don't have those controllers, and I probably will never find yeah. them. Stefan, huge Odyssey two fan, does not have controllers for the console. <laughs> Uh, so it came out in 1978, which was a year or two after the Channel F and Atari 2600. So they're like, oh, we got to get in on this interchangeable cartridge craze. Uh, Ralph Bayer had almost nothing to do with it. So as cool as the original Odyssey was, as cool as Ralph Bayer is not really involved in this one. And uh, so the NES came out and it basically looked like a VCR. Odyssey 2 is kind of the OG of pretending to be something it's not because it has this stupid like flat membrane keyboard and it kind of looks like a home computer, but it is totally not a home computer. In my opinion, probably the worst keyboard ever made. It's just really hard to press keys. And uh, one other thing I was going to say, you said like all the boxes look the same or something like that. You probably said it in a nicer way. Mm -hmm. There was a, a one programmer at Magnavox, Sam Overton made 24 games by himself for the odyssey 2 that is half the library made by one dude and that is definitely something you will only ever see from a console that came out in the 70s and i love that yeah as far as the the box art looking identical there's basically two aside from the the board games which we'll talk about a little bit later the the uh there's basically two different uh variations of what aesthetically what these boxes looked like they either were like the very uh, kind of 70s neon aesthetic or they were like hand-drawn um, like almost caricature art uh, on the front so you said there's 49 games and uh, magnavox themselves put out 47 of them so uh, they're either published by magnavox or philips which are the same company uh, magnavox is a philips subsidiary maybe the other way around probably probably philips is the bigger one i don't I know i think philips is the bigger one and then there are uh, two Imagic games, which came out uh, 1983, the last year. Odyssey 2 was a thing. So really great time to get some third-party support there, Magnavox, uh, on your interchangeable cartridge console. Also, they are those two, uh, Demon Attack and Atlantis, we'll talk about when we talk about uh, game rarity. Those, those two are uh, among the rarest uh, on this console. But if you have a deep-seated desire to play either of those games, they are incredibly common on on uh, on a, on twenty six hundred. So if you assume, if you want to play Demon Attack or uh, Atlantis, don't uh, don't don't shell out for the uh, for the Odyssey two unless you're uh, unless you need them for the collection. I've not played Atlantis on twenty six hundred. As weird as it is, considering how common that game is, but I hear Atlantis on Odyssey two is competent. And yeah. uh, whatever, no one, no one, no one cares about Odyssey versus Atari. Uh, one other thing, Wikipedia is missing Type and Tell, which is a cartridge that you literally you type a word into it, and the cartridge says what you typed. That's the entire thing. Maybe it doesn't consider it a game. Maybe someone just forgot about it. I yeah. hate when Wikipedia has wrong things, and there's one of them. It's legally distinct speak and spell. <laughs> That's it's just like yes. speak and spell. And then stuff on the edge, there's nothing. It's it's cut and dry. Forty nine games. Uh, you could try. You could exclude the two Imagic games if you want, but you're really only kidding yourself by doing that because they're the most collectively interesting games in the whole set. There was a Muck released in 1998, which isn't really notable at all. That's a homebrew game. Uh, it's definitely not like the first homebrew because Atari homebrew was happening while Atari was still a thing. But it's one of the earlier homebrews that I could think of. And you could still buy it. They're probably bootlegs, but I don't know. You could still buy it. 
I mean, at that point, though, is it really, does it matter if you're buying a bootleg of a homebrew? Oh, do you want to fight? Still... Well, I... <laughs> Someone... That's an interesting It's point. an independent game. If some guy coded a game and sold it himself, then what gives okay. someone else the okay. right to profit okay. off okay. it? Okay, 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 that's fine, okay. Yeah. You win. Uh, and I wrote that on the third. There are four Parker Brothers games. Uh, these didn't come out in the United States, but the Odyssey 2 didn't get any third-party support, so it's interesting to mention them. Uh, they're also ve- they're also neat looking. They come in these plastic boxes, and they have actually really neat art. So. I think they're super ugly, but really, I think it's probably because uh, when I was looking for Atlantis, I had a broad saved search, and I saw them every day of my life. That's fair. So yeah, it's Frogger, Popeye, Cubert, and Super Cobra. Those are the four. There. Uh, speaking of plastic boxes, I'll just talk about them now. That uh, there's also the Brazilian versions of Demon Attack and Atlantis. Uh, have the same form factor as these Parker Brothers games. Uh, just know that the that none of the U.S. releases for Odyssey Two come in plastic boxes. Zero of them. So uh, if you have, and we see it all the time on eBay, and I will fall on the sword here because I know Tyler's dying to call me out on this. I did when I was first starting to collect for this console buy a Brazilian copy of Atlantis. And under the pretenses that it was a U.S. copy. And there are tons and tons of eBay sellers that do list these games as either specifically as U.S. copies or just don't, you know, they fail to mention uh, the region. So they just assume, you know, it, that, then it's on, it's your burden to know that they are uh they are or are not the U.S. Uh, copies. So yeah, just be be careful uh, buying those two in particular, Atlantis and Demon Attack, because um, the Brazilian boxes uh, might uh, might trip you up there. I I love that you bought those because I I was getting those Atlantis save search emails for months, and I, you know the Brazilian one pops up all the time, and I'm like, yep. someone someone's eventually going to buy one of these who's intending to buy the American one, right? And then. Oh, you were already on the podcast when it happens. Just wonderful. Yeah, because I mean, because those <laughs> listings do say a lot of them. There's a couple, a couple sellers in particular who who do list them as specifically. This is the U.S. release, and it's just not. So uh, to clear up some of that in America, it's co- obviously called the Magnavox Odyssey Two. In Europe, it's called the Philips Video Pack G Seven Thousand. Much fancier name for the same thing. But in Brazil, it's also called the Odyssey Two. Uh, so on the box, it looks totally different, but it does say Odyssey 2, and uh, most games from other regions work on U.S. consoles. So people might list a Brazil copy and say compatible with U.S. or something, because it is, but no one's buying Atlantis to play it. Yeah, and and the Atlantis and Demon Attack boxes, the U.S. versions, actually don't even look like the other U.S. releases. They are a larger form factor. They, look, they use the... Uh, it's a the art for those two games are uh, the demon attack one is a photograph of miniature spaceships that look like dragons um uh it's it's a it's an actual uh, physical like diorama that they took a photo of um and then the uh the atlantis box uh is is it it's not a miniature right it's a painting i think um, but, uh, but yeah, so the, there are these big black border boxes. They come in, uh, with slide trays. So there's a, like a plastic and, uh, paper backed slide tray, uh, that, um, that they come in. So, so the, the proper U.S. release doesn't look like any of the other territories of those games. So, so know that even though they don't look like the U.S. release, uh, like other U.S. boxes, they are 
proper U.S. releases if they are the larger cardboard sleeve with plastic tray uh, release. Also, since we're on the topic, those uh, they're like VHS covers. They don't have a bottom. So yep. I got my Atlantis. I'm like, oh, my God, it doesn't have a bottom. And then I'm like, oh, I don't care. I, I spent so long looking for this, whatever. Uh, and then I got my other one. It's like, oh, these boxes don't have bottoms. Okay, cool. Right. But that also makes it um, especially uh, important that you make sure that the manual is in there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because they will slide out the bottom. All right. So uh, loose first complete. So we we have been elitist on disc-based consoles, Sega CD and Saturn, because a loose disc set is... There's nothing sadder than a loose disc set of, like, expensive collectible games, because all that is is a set looking for some boxes to be housed in. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Odyssey 2, shipping probably costs more than the average game. So there's absolutely no reason to buy loose cartridges. Yeah, and there's there's tons of them out there. It's it aside from you know very select few, basically aside from three games, um, there is no shortage of uh of boxed copies of these games so so you know if there's not one listed when you're looking for one if you're like on ebay or something if you just wait a couple weeks it'll probably pop up like it's it's not it's not you don't see gigantic droughts for these games uh you just have to be a little bit patient on some of them Uh, like the average odyssey 2 lot on ebay is like a complete in box console and like 10 complete games and that'll be like 150 bucks or something. Uh, the the box of the console itself isn't rare. Uh, it does get really beat up because it's what 40 years old, 50 years old. I don't even know. Yep. I can't do math. Buy buy the complete games, obviously. Right. And honestly, lots you can get excellent deals in lots for this particular console because a lot of people just don't care or they don't know or they just uh, or they they do a poor job at listing. Uh, these lots and so and there's just there's there's not enough collectors to solidify a market and so like for instance the other day I bought a lot that uh, included my Atlantis because I just recently completed the set and I paid a hundred and was a hundred and six dollars Tyler you got a good deal Uh, you got a really good deal (laughs) yeah I I know the rest of the games are kind of screwed up but Right, but it was also it was poorly listed. They took a you know they took photographs of the games, but didn't list them out. I, I paid basically less than I should have for just Atlantis, and I got um, you know two dozen other games uh, along with it, also CIB. So uh, you can if you if you look for lots, you know if you're willing to to buy stuff you don't need to trade. Although trading does tend to be a little bit difficult with the Odyssey too, because there's so few people who are interested. Uh, but but if you're willing to buy, there's a forum on Atari have, Age. Sure, those people don't have Atlantis, <laughs> but you, there's a forum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but you, again, it's still worth it. Like because you know, again, like I said, I got my my Atlantis for way under value because I bought it in a lot. I found that lot for you, so that didn't even show up in my Atlantis save search because I wanted to find Atlantis for you, uh, right? And that lot was just listed as Magnavox Odyssey two games. And it popped right, up exactly. in my uh, original Magnavox Odyssey save search because I'm looking for OG Odyssey stuff. And, I'm, and I saw Atlantis is like front and center in the thumbnail. I'm like, oh, my God, Stefan, you're winning this lot. Right. And but like it, that just goes to show that like some of these, you know, a lot of these people who have these games don't know because there's just not a terrible amount of collectors for the Odyssey 2. So it's not like, 
you know, everyone knows that stadium events is like the expensive Nintendo game, but nobody knows except for people who are actively interested in Odyssey 2 that Power Lords is an expensive game, right? So you get these lots from these resellers who are just like, oh yeah, I got this in a storage locker or my grandpa died or whatever. And they're putting out these these giant lots of Odyssey 2 stuff and they, they don't have any education on the on the console because there's just not a lot of, you know, not a tremendous amount of people are, are, are collecting for it. So you get these, these great deals because these people just, you know, like Tyler said, this lot was just, Hey, here's some Odyssey two games. That's it. You know, the, 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 the lots are, are very poorly described so you can get some great deals. And so the price of a full collection loose around $400 complete around a thousand dollars. I'm getting those from game value now. I bet that's pretty swingy just because of how low the numbers are. I would agree because like if I were, for instance, that lot that I got the other day, if I were, if that was my starting lot and I had now like half of half of the collection for $106, it would, you know, CIB, it would be real tough for me to get to a thousand with that kind of, you know, jumping off point. And those lots are, are out there. They're very, they're, they're common. It's not like, it's not like large Odyssey two lots are uncommon. So, um, so yeah, if you're, if you're starting from zero, chances are that you can, you know, start with a big lot and really come in way under that thousand dollar mark yeah and so uh actually game value now is listing power lords at 180 demon attack at 75 and atlantis at 55 uh and you know those are all pretty swingy games but still you know well I, i've seen like a hundred percent complete sets listed for two thousand dollars with like tons of extras and stuff and like obviously it's one of those like super overpriced obviously no one's buying it type lots so well and like uh, I think it's up there right now. I'm, I'm looking right now, but there is a lot right now. Yeah, here it is on uh, on eBay that has Power Lords, has Demon Attack, has Atlantis, has all like has Killer Bees and Spellbinder and uh, Numbers Ned. All of these games uh, for, uh, buy it now for six hundred and fifty dollars. So if you bought this lot, you would have. I don't even know if there is a rare game that's not in this lot. Tyler, are you looking at? Have you seen this lot that's up no, on eBay? That sounds right like a really good lot. I bet that sells. But after we put this up, I'm just saying, like these lots are out there, so you could have virtually the entire set right now for six hundred and fifty dollars. All right. So hardware variants. We said that the original version has silver controllers that are detachable from the console. Uh, in my experience, that is much rarer. I've never seen anyone actually have that in their collection when they have an Odyssey 2, like out on display. Uh, the other version has black controllers, the joysticks, and they're hardwired into the back. Stefan apparently has one without controllers. That's an even rarer. That's right. Yep. <laughs> the rare without without controllers variant? Yes. That's right. No, it was it was definitely definitely missing its controllers. Uh, how hard is it to collect for? Is it popular? I think we have answered this question. It is very easy to collect for, and absolutely no one cares. <laughs> yeah. But but honestly, like I think it's no one cares yet, right? Like, and we are nope. seeing this in this hobby where where the the collection wave kind of you know people get their big sets you know they get their nes they get their genesis they get their whatever and then they uh find new newer things to migrate to and more to migrate to and more to migrate to and there are definitely more odyssey collectors now than there were when i first started or certainly when you first started tyler um and it's i mean 3do i love i love my 3do set as making an example of that because i love talking about it but that's another great 
uh, example of a set that was absolutely not popular. You know, people couldn't give those games away. And now there's a reasonable uh, number of collectors who collect 3DO uh, because you know, people just sort of mature from set to set. And, and the hobby has been around long enough that a lot of these collectors have gotten the sets that they wanted to, but still want to collect and end up collecting these more niche uh, sets. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, I don't think we're going to see an overnight boom in Odyssey 2 unless uh, maybe someone puts like a sealed Power Lords on a Heritage. But um, <laughs> I, I bet that wouldn't do gar- that would do garbage on Heritage because who cares? <laughs> but but there, you know, it's not always going to be dirt, dirt cheap. I don't think I think you you will eventually see people uh, looking to collect just out of like wanting something to collect. I think it is always going to be dirt, dirt cheap. So have a party, everybody. Odyssey 2 is here forever for you. Uh, (laughs) uh, I forgot I had some justification to go with that, and I don't remember. But it had something to do with, you know, people buying the NES games they like, and now they're like, oh, let me get everything complete. Let me get everything sealed. Let me upgrade my conditions now. Uh, There's so much old comics. Uh, I I go back to comics. I follow a lot of, of... comics on youtube now i used to collect comics a little bit but you can get like random ass comics from the 50s that are like solid silver age comics that are basically dollar bin comics and i think that is what the odyssey 2 is for video games uh it sold something like two million i don't remember if that's worldwide probably worldwide uh so it's not like impossibly rare to find an odyssey 2 well, and I'll give you another justification. I'll, I'll 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 flop sides here, Tyler, and and give you a justification as to why it might stay cheap. Um, is that you know, unlike the Atari, unlike the NES, and even you know, the Atari is a bad example too. But uh, there are not properties on the Odyssey two that are still around now, like you where you have that. Uh, like with the the NES, you know, obviously Mario is a current property, and then you have people like backtracking through that property to like collect earlier and earlier systems. There's no like long standing, uh, there's no long standing properties. You know, nobody's playing Monkey Shines in 2019, right? Uh, so there's not a, there's there's nothing current that is going to send people back to the Odyssey two. The Odyssey two made no cultural impact on planet Earth at. Oh. <laughs> uh okay, that's actually not true. Um Ooh. the 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 one that I um would say did make a cultural impact was uh the uh Pac-Man clone that they have that is it Casey Chase? Casey Munchkin. Yeah, Casey Munchkin. And Casey's crazy um, chase, yes. That yeah, that so that was actually a big deal at the time because they, you know, at this around the same time that um that Atari had put out the the Pac-Man, uh, the actual Pac-Man for 2600, um, that uh, was absolute horrendous piles of garbage. Uh, then Odyssey 2 released this, uh, essentially a Pac-Man clone, that was really, really good. And there was actually a gigantic lawsuit between them and Namco over uh, over that that release because... No one, it as as more of a nail in the coffin. Um, you know, people already weren't playing the Pac Man game, but they even had uh, a better game that was Pac Man like to play it instead. And so that that was that was there was a lot of uh, 
a lot of legal battle around uh, the idea of what constitutes, you know, ripping people off when it comes to gameplay. And that actually did have some long, long lasting effects on the game industry. And Magnavox or Phillips lost that lawsuit, right? If I'm remembering correctly. I think so. I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, so the the cultural impact made by the Odyssey 2 is that you might have heard of KC Munchkin, not because KC Munchkin made a cultural impact, but because Atari and or Namco with the actual cultural icon sued them for copying their actual culturally impacting game. <laughs> yep. Uh, fantastic. All right. <laughs> uh, and uh, we say, uh, we how deep does the collecting go? Not at all, unless you want to go into Europe. There's a few European exclusives. There's a few European exclusive hardware variants. Um, if you want to get into, like, prototype stuff, there's uh, the Odyssey 3, which, forget about it. I don't know anything about it. There's a ton of homebrew. Uh, sure, there's a ton of homebrew. Uh, a lot of it is made by one dude. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, so the North American set, I think, Tyler, you had mentioned off air that there is one cover variant. Um, That's under the variant, Stefan. Oh, fine. But how does that not That's also... collector stuff. How isn't that not included in how deep does the collecting go? Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> This this is a flawed rubric. Um yeah, so if you want to collect for the North American set, um there's there's the 49 games and and that's it. Stefan, what was the uh launch games and last games? What did we launch with? Um so Oh my god, the, you added stuff. What did you do? Oh god, Stefan. You told me you told me to add stuff. <sighs> okay. Uh so, but but we can we can start with we we can just cover the the six that you have here. So the the pack in so Odyssey two had several releases that were multiple games in one. So uh, the the pack in title was Speedway, Spinout, Crypto Logic, and what that you know those are actually three different titles on a single cartridge. Uh, you'll find you'll find a couple uh, games that that have. Uh, that are the same way where they they have multiple games on a single cartridge um those aren't uh bootlegs or anything like that they just they just uh i think symptomatic of of the previous generation where you had uh you know pong clones that had oh yeah this thing has like 48 games except for it's all pong it, it's symptomatic of that that you still had cartridges that had you know multiple multiple games on the same cartridge that were similar um so yeah the the pack in was speedway spin out crypto logic uh, and then in that same year, you had Blackjack, you had Football, uh, Armored Encounter, and Subchase, which is another dual game cartridge, Bowling and Basketball, which is a, a dual game cartridge, and Mathemagic and, uh, and Echo, uh, which is a dual game cartridge. Uh, Mathemagic, not to be uh, confused with Mathemagics on 3DO. Totally different <laughs> game. <laughs> and so those were the, the first six games and i put them in that order because odyssey two games are actually numbered starting with 9400 and so that's 9400 through 9405 in europe they are numbered i believe one through 60 right on the spine just like channel f games so collecting the set looks really nice not in america what are these other, what are these other games you put on here there were just other games that came out that year but they would have been later in the year so it's okay yeah, I I read on the next level, uh, which is a site that seems like they know what they're talking about with Odyssey Two. That they said that there was a set of six launch games, so that's what I'm assuming they were. I believe them. 
fun fact, Sam Overton programmed all six slash however many games there are. There's probably like, what, like 10 games in there, uh, all told mm-hmm. with the multi-carts. Programmed all of them. One dude, is he's carrying this console on his back. I love it. Yeah, I, I would love to like talk to him and see how long that actually took him because these games are so similar. I want to be like, yeah, I knocked out like twenty four games in like th- you know, three <laughs> yeah. weeks. I, I, I got an afternoon. I'll just I'll just make blackjack, whatever. <laughs> All right, the last games. Uh, so nineteen eighty three was when the Odyssey died, uh, video game crash, and all that. Uh, last game so it's fun fun but all the good games on the odyssey 2 basically came out towards the end because it wasn't all the one guy programming it they got bigger cartridges they obviously knew how to do better things with the hardware uh so power lords which is a single screen space shooter that is traditionally the rarest odyssey 2 game uh i remember when people were like talking about this on digipress and atari age that's always the game that people talk about because super late release and then the two image, uh, Imagic games, Atlantis and Demon Attack, uh, also 1983, awesome time to come out with your third-party games for a dying console. Yeah, I mean, I would, uh, I would kind of categorize Power Lords as sort of the little Samson of the set, where it may not necessarily be the rarest, but it's hyped as the rarest. Um, I think Atlantis is much, much more difficult to find. Um, and it and it doesn't tend to command the the um, the dollar amount that Power Lords does uh, unless you're Tyler. I don't. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I don't know what happened with this. So uh, the only thing I can think of is that when people actually cared about Odyssey two, as little care as there was out there, it was uh, you know ten fifteen years ago, and maybe people just didn't care about Atlantis or because it was third party or what. Uh, but Power Lords definitely has a reputation of being far and away the rarest Odyssey 2 game. And in the last couple of years, that's just not my experience. Right. But it is it is the most expensive, like solidly the most expensive. Like, yes, like Atlantis and, uh, will like bump up and you know, you'll, you'll have a, a stray. Because, uh, again, there's there's not a solidified market here. So like sometimes you'll get Atlantis in a lot like I did for, you know, 100 bucks or then it'll go, you know, for 250, 300, 400 by itself. Um, like you'll get spikes on Atlantis. I'm pretty sure Atlantis pow- has almost never sold for between two fifty and four hundred because the only sale over two hundred is probably mine. Uh, I saw. I lost. I lost on a lot for it at like two twenty five. Um, a few months ago. Okay. But but anyway. Um, but like Power Lords is consistently expensive. Where like it, you know you don't tend to see it sneaking into lots like you do. Yeah. Uh, Atlantis. So rolling right into that, the most expensive games are Power Lords, Atlantis, and Demon Attack. The last three games for the console. What a shocker. Uh, Demon Attack, honestly, is not that expensive or difficult to find compared to the other two. Um, I think I think it's a very trailing third oh, yeah. um, as far as, uh, as rarity goes. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I paid $60, I think, for my Demon Attack. And that was like a buy it now by itself. Yeah, I would. So Atlantis. So I put Atlantis at like one to two hundred. That seems like a reasonable price for it. Power Lords is like one fifty to two hundred, and Demon Attack seems to be like sixty to a hundred, depending on the day. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, so actually, rare games. You want to talk about the actually rare games, Stefan? Let me just cover three for you. They're Atlantis, <laughs> Demon Attack, and Power Lords, but not yeah, as much uh, Demon Attack. 
Additionally to that, I, I did mention that there are there are games that are uh, the box art is is different than the rest of the set. You know, like the hand drawn caricature look. Uh, the other ones that are rare tend to be those games: um, Turtles and Killer Bees and Nibble Numbers Ned and Sid the Spellbinder. And I added uh, P.T. Barnum and Monkey Shines th- to that list because I. I see those less less commonly as well um but these also tend to be that there was a specific series and tell me i'm not looking at my set right now what the hell is the name of that the is challenger series, series. challenger series thank you uh i think all of these games that you listed are like basically the entire challenger series yeah there's there's a couple that one or two that are not um that are not on this list that are part of that set but yes the far and away the uncommon games i think power lords is also a challenger series game right yes um but uh but the uncommon games tend to be the challenger series and those are actually badged on the spine Uh, there's a little blue badge that says challenger series um and the other ones that are uh also uncommon i think that's nimble numbers nimble numbers ned and sid the spellbinder um are the the uh games that are compatible with the voice module um those tend to be a little bit uh rarer except for that i think they're all challenger series if they're voice module games Right, right, but they but they do call those out separately. Like yeah, the, so they're Challenger yeah. series, the voice games or whatever, right. and also yeah, yeah, yeah. a Type and Tell is part of that too. I'm pretty sure that it's like forty yeah. bucks or something. All like the ra- the rare games, quote unquote. There's nothing super rare. They're like forty bucks. If you find one for like twenty five bucks, you're like hell yeah, I got a deal on that. And so the Challenger series, uh, what that actually was, that uh, all the Odyssey two games before that were on two K cards, and the Challenger series they were on four K cards. So that's four kilo power right there. Uh, and <laughs> the, uh, yeah, they're like all the best games on the console. So it's kind of a bummer that they're the rarest. Everyone kind of gave up on Odyssey 2. But really, no wonder uh, Atari 2600 was freaking amazing. But again, as Tyler mentioned, put some context on this. Like when we're talking about rare games on this console it's not the same conversation that we have when we're talking about rare games on super nintendo or neo geo like your rare games are going to be affordable aside from those those three you know so and and that's not that's not me being elitist like if you listen to this podcast regularly and you collect video games and you're used to sort of the uh the sort of monetary baseline of this hobby uh, these games are all really inexpensive yeah, and, and I think part of it is probably because Magnavox put out, like, every single game. So there's not, like, a Taito or an Atlas where they're like, let's make a really, really high-quality game and then put out the minimum print run of it and see how that goes. Because that's what those well, companies I mean, do, like, every time. Well, but there was. It just just so happens they only made two games. It was those iMagic games, right? Those well, are the yeah. third-party releases. All right. We got to keep going. This No one wants to listen to Odyssey 2 for 90 minutes. <laughs> The other the other set that matters besides the Challenger series is uh, the Master Strategy series, which are the three uh, big box kind of board game video game hybrids. And uh, those are Quest for the Rings, uh, the Great Wall Street Fortune Hunt and Conquest of the World. I think the the notable thing from a collector standpoint, because honestly, I I have not played these myself, because they it's a it's a board game and a video game. They're difficult to set up, and and not not the the best of the bunch. But the, from a collection standpoint, again, it's it, they are board games. There are lots of little pieces. So when you are buying them, 
um, which they're not terribly expensive. I was talking to Tyler before the podcast, and at Portland, I passed on a, a sealed copy of Quest for the Rings for like $100. So they aren't terribly expensive, but just make sure, like, find a good image on Google that, you know, has all of the components listed, and just make sure that when you're buying them, that uh, that all the components are, are there. And because... Uh, they, uh, I, I find a lot of eBay listings for these, but a, a lot of the photography is really subpar. They just have a, a either a picture of the outer box and that's it, or like, or they just they don't list the components very well, or things are just all piled up in baggies. So just make sure that you uh, do do a little bit of due diligence when you're buying these. Don't, but they're not expensive enough or rare enough for you to bother to buy incomplete copies. And if you buy an incomplete copy, then you are just going to be stuck with it because no one will want it. So you could, <laughs> so, they're so cheap, you could literally buy two incomplete copies and probably piece together a nice complete copy. Yeah, But I mean, yeah, you might as well spend 50 bucks rather than 35 bucks uh, for what these are. Uh, I'll brag. I'll say I bought every single one of mine new in box with unbroken pieces and all that. Oh, so special. I also have to call out Quest for the Rings, one of the best vintage era games ever. It's uh, you go around a board. The board game part is kind of part of it. It doesn't really matter, but you kind of uh, you're a party of four different types of adventurers. Like one guy can phase through walls. One guy shoots ranged attacks. Complex stuff for an Odyssey, too. And uh, every time you reach a new space on the board, you flip over a piece and that has an encounter that you program into the Odyssey 2 with the keyboard. And then there's like a little real time action segment where you have to like kill a dude or something. It is really cool. So suffice to say on these, like if you are for whatever reason, if you decide that you want to collect these cart only, these three specific games... (laughs) Do not collect them card only. You need the board game in order to play them. So, uh, so yeah, the, there's absolutely zero reason for you to buy them. You know, if you're going to buy three Odyssey games, it might as well be these three because they're the coolest ones probably in the entire set. I like the iMagic games too. Those are cool. But, uh, but yeah, cool so. But yeah, and then again, these are the obviously the form factors are different. They aren't like typical. They aren't so big that they're like board game sized board games, but they're what like maybe like a foot and a half big box PC, wide. but yeah, longer. Yeah. Yep, they're clamshells. Um, the uh, the actual cartridge also doesn't have like there's no like standalone box for the cartridge. It just fits in to the 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 larger box, so you don't have to worry about you know. Uh, needing to find like a, a a box specific for the cartridge it's just it's it just come it just comes loose in the in the the board game box i just remembered a fun collector's fact uh yes these uh these master strategy games when you first open them new uh they come with a a piece of rigid cardboard around like the three corners of the clamshell that opens and mm-hmm. basically all of them are missing that because you're just meant to throw it out I mean, I wouldn't consider that necessary to have a complete game, but if you're really OCD, you can look for a copy that has that little piece of cardboard. Speaking of little pieces of cardboard, I just remembered a fun collector's fact. So the vast majority of the U.S. releases, if you open their their flip top or flip front boxes, right? So you you flip them, you flip open the cover, and there's your game. So along the left edge of these boxes, they there are basically the way that the box is constructed it's meant to slide a little so there there are these these 
um, slots in the top and the bottom that when you open it, it there's a little bit of give the the games uh, or the the boxes will will open a little bit wider than you would expect them to. That is absolutely intended. That is the architecture of the box. Please don't tape those shut because God, I see these tons are and tons. And tons and tons and tons of of scotch taped There's boxes. There's so much scotch tape on these yeah, boxes. Yeah. <laughs> but but the thing that it's maddening about that particular thing, like fine, if scotch tape on damage is is typical, but but the these hinges are actually architecturally part of the box and people tape them and it drives me crazy i it can't be it, there's no way it's modern people like i'll just go to the store like i actually sometimes see odyssey 2 games at one of my local stores and like you know like 25 percent of boxes have like a piece of scotch at least one piece of scotch tape on it people really ocd about their odyssey 2 games a lot of people kept the boxes they just wanted to put some scotch tape on it first yeah, and I also find a lot of people will, uh, because the, the flaps didn't really stay closed very well, um, and so I see a tremendous amount of them actually scotch-taped closed, um, yep. which is, which is ridiculous. Stop, stop I that. I have so much scotch-tape. I could take a picture of all the, That's what the my Instagram photo for this episode is going to be. It's just going to be all the scotch-tape. <laughs> all the scotch-tape ones? <laughs> Stefan, what are some super cheap games you should buy? Uh, Casey Munchkin, it's real cheap, and it is actually a, again, a superior version of Pac-Man, uh, for the Odyssey 2. That's the, that's a real good one. Um, but again, if it's not Challenger series, uh, even singles, you will still, like, I bought singly, uh, a bunch of, of cartridges at, um, SoCal this last year, and, um, I paid like two or three dollars each for them. So the vast majority of the collection outside of the Challenger series is going to be really, really, really inexpensive. I mean, you're you're going to like you know very similarly to to the NES set where you know uh, Stadium Events is like a third or whatever of the of the value of the set. Like it's the same thing here where those three games are the the vast majority of the set. Um, as far as value is concerned, but monetarily, you know, it's very scaled down. So you take, you know, in a even if we if even if we say a thousand dollars for the set, which I don't think it is, um, if you take away those three games and then split, split, you know, monetarily split the uh, the rest of the value between forty six titles, um, there's there's not going to be a lot that's that's tremendously expensive, um, but. Uh, so yeah, is is there anything uh, other titles that you no, wanted to call no, out I'm just as gonna quality? Go, so just in general, I would say uh, Quest for the Rings is like legitimately one of my favorite games of all time. I've I've played it twice, and the first time I played it, I beat it on the last turn, and it was just super memorable experience in gaming, and I really loved it. Uh, the other one, uh, Pickaxe Pete, is, I would say Donkey Kong ish, but not really. It's a platform, single screen platformer where you play a dude who climbs up and down ladders between platforms. Uh, it plays super fast, and it's great. Cool. And I'm pretty sure every time Odyssey 2 comes up, I say those two games because how many games are there for the Odyssey 2? Yeah. Casey Munchkin was also sort of the mascot for the uh, for the console. Like, there are uh, 
that, that was really they really tried to push him as that's why they made two games with him uh wow. they really tried what to, a mascot really, are you saying Sid yeah. the spellbinder wasn't a mascot no not over casey munchkin but again because they they uh you know he was a pac-man clone so it was a very high quality game but yeah they really tried to push him as uh as their mascot um so but yeah so uh casey munchkin and then casey chase casey's crazy chase because at that point you didn't need to know it was casey munchkin you're just like yeah i'm down with casey that's right we're on a we're on a first name basis (laughs) we're on a first two initials basis (laughs) uh collector stuff you know all about this uh tell me about the publisher variants on the magnavox odyssey stefan yeah i don't know anything about that i don't know what you're talking about so uh, you put this on this I list. I barely know anything about this. So I have two copies of uh, Speedway Spinout Cryptologic. And one of them was published by Magnavox Home Electronics Company or whatever. Has a Magnavox logo on the spine of the box. The other one was published by Philips Home Electronics Company, whatever it's called. And uh, does not have the Magnavox logo. Not not the logo, it just says Magnav- uh, Magnavox in like white text under the Odyssey logo. Or it doesn't. I just noticed this because in collecting Odyssey 2, you will probably just happen across like four copies of Speedway Spinout Cryptologic because literally every console sold with one, I think. I can't find anywhere on the internet that mentions this. I'm sure that I'm not like the first person who's noticed this. There's people out there who know about this, but even like the next level, which is one of the bigger Odyssey 2 fan pages that I could find. Uh, it doesn't mention that as a variant when you search for, like, U.S. variants, because there are no variants that I could tell on the Odyssey 2. Um, but maybe there are games that were published by Magnavox versus Philips? I don't know. My other thought is that I had a European copy, but on the back it says it was published by F- North American Philips Home Entertainment or something, so I don't think it's well, European. And the European copies label themselves as video packs, right? If I'm not... Or Brazilian... I guess, yeah. but still, yeah, I I don't know. There might be publisher variants. Are you really going to collect variants for the Odyssey 2? No, but I thought <laughs> I would mention this because it's something I noticed. Uh, as far as special editions go, there were none. Um, again, we had mentioned that the there is an early edition of the console in which it comes with detachable controllers, um, but as far as like actual special editions of consoles or games, uh, there were none. So again, not very deep to collect for. And there's homebrew. There's a, there was a shocking amount of homebrew for me. At least I, when, when I was putting together our, our research list, I was like, there can't be that much homebrew. And then I was like, oh, here's like a page of like a, a significant number of homebrew. Looking through it, I mean, I think it's it, the, they really, some of them really painstakingly reproduce the aesthetic of, uh, of the box art. Uh, so I, as far as like things to, well, I mean, we'll cover things to watch out for a little bit later, but like make sure that, you know, you have your list of 49 games when you're looking on the internet. Cause I could see if you didn't know, uh, you could easily buy one of these homebrew games uh, and think it was legitimate. I bet it's really uh, hard to find secondhand Odyssey 2 homebrew for sale. If you're buying Odyssey 2 homebrew, no, but you, d- you are keeping you that see until them. you die. <laughs> you do see them on eBay, though. Like, I, I, maybe sure. it's the maybe it's the like first party, like just selling on eBay. But um, but they're 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 out there. I'm just saying, like like I don't think you would see them at like on a table at a show. But if you were looking online, you could probably accidentally buy a homebrew and think that it was a u.s release if you didn't you know know the list fairly well 
And so you were looking at Good Deal Games, which is they're a homebrew publisher, and then they also do like bootleg reproductions, uh, which I kind of hate because that kind of makes me want to own nothing that Good Deal Games puts out. Uh, the majority of stuff, like 80% of their stuff is like legit homebrew, but because they have so much bootleg stuff, like they'll put out prototypes and unreleased games and things like that as physical copies, it makes me think that they don't own the copyright to all the homebrew that they're putting out, and so it makes me feel sketchy buying anything from them. Also, everything you buy from Good Deal Games, I think you have to do like a legit kind of mail order. They're like super out of date or something. They don't have like a, a cart system. Anyway, like, I don't know. Are people playing... Games. Are people playing Homebrew on Odyssey 2? If you're 2? playing uh, Odyssey 2 Homebrew, you know you, way more about the doing? Odyssey 2 than us. Why are you even listening to this? Yeah, I, yeah, I feel like that's like catering to a crowd that like it's just, they're just so far above this podcast. They are uh, they're like probably like there's pe- probably people making Homebrews out there, but they're probably selling it to like the 10 people on the Odyssey 2 news group. <laughs> like right. just Yeah. Uh shout out to uh, Rafael Cardoso. Cardoso? Rafael Cardoso, uh, who has made 19 homebrew games for the Odyssey 2, rivaling Sam Overton at 24 games. Uh, his last game, I think, was this month. So uh, I think he's he wants to be a contender. He wants to be the most prolific Odyssey 2 developer of all time. He's going he's gonna to be like a limited run on the Vita and like <laughs> just have like this gigantic library of games. Uh, what? Uh, I just saw a game. What The... The Alone in the Dark type game back in 1995. Is that what it's called? Yep. That's coming out for the Vita. I like, I just, I swear, I just saw a new Vita game announced. Is that still a thing? Vita games are still coming out? Um, I know, I don't know if it was the limited run that announced it, but I did see an announcement saying that they finally uh, stopped production on the physical cartridges. So, because they were keeping them around for a while basically for limited run uh but they have actually stopped production on those cartridges so i uh it's a very long way of me saying i don't know okay but uh but i but i can't imagine there will be many more vita releases if that game comes out like physical on the vita i'm gonna be so mad that bloodstained couldn't get a wii u release (laughs) (laughs) all right where are we at here oh so accessories and other crap. So there was a, a voice module for the system um, that added voice. And uh, there are some games, and again, clearly marked on the label, and again, some of the rarer games uh, that work with this module. And uh, the then there was the, the chess and, and home computer module. Is that a single module? No, there's a chess module, which obviously has little chess pieces. You play chess. Uh, does it have pieces? I don't know, because it came out in Europe. But yeah, that's just for chess. And then the home computer module is like literally the entire computer because uh, it has like a processor and all that because uh, I, I I don't know how computers work. Odyssey isn't a computer. This thing basically is a computer that uses like Odyssey sound chip and keyboard. That is pretty rare and you probably won't find one. And why would you want to make your Odyssey into a real computer? Yeah. So uh, and then there's also that. So. Uh, I I blew Tyler's mind with this. So there was a quarterly published magazine for the Odyssey 2 called the Odyssey 2 Adventure Club magazine. Uh, And it's actually really difficult to search for uh, on online because there were so many uh, publications with the word Odyssey in them. Like there's the computer magazines and there's a ton of magazines that say it that have Odyssey in them. So they're hard to, <laughs> they're hard to find, but they are out there. I promise. Uh, and they were published quarterly from what I say, 80, 
81 to 83. Um, God, so, starting in 81 too. So it's like years after the Odyssey was a thing, they're like, let's just ride this out until it's death. And there's actually, the crazy thing, the way that I found this is that there's actually an e-magazine that has a Facebook page that continues the lineage. I'm sure, you know, honestly, I don't know if it's the same people. If it is the same people, good on you. But there is absolutely an e-magazine for the Odyssey 2 that you can subscribe to now under the same name, the Odyssey uh, Odyssey 2 Adventure Club magazine. So you enjoy your e-magazine have you seen the cover of... Oh, I'm going to find a copy of this now. Have you seen the cover of Odyssey Adventure? I'm looking at the spring 1982 issue. Yeah, I know uh, Like a lot of them use the uh, just cover art from some of the cartridges of some of the, the boxes. Like the Pickaxe Pete uh, issue just has the Oh, cover all right. Um, the issue I'm looking at is phenomenal. It's got uh, a little man standing on uh, like a warped perspective cartoony Odyssey 2 keyboard looking up at this cartridge that's just looming over him like uh like the obelisk in 2001 oh it looks pretty damn cool and it's got like this <laughs> rainbow like red to blue thing going on like the ColecoVision logo for the title oh it says the future is now tyler's tyler's buying all these magazines Dude, I, how am i gonna find <laughs> it when are you ever gonna see <laughs> odyssey 2 adventure i've never heard of this magazine uh, yeah <laughs> i don't and care like about I said, magazines it, it is, at all it is prolifically difficult to search for information on because there's just a glut of publications called odyssey something yeah i just bought my first copy of nintendo power one like a month ago it's not even a good condition copy i just wanted to have it just so i could be like yeah all right that's the one magazine i need to have now i can forget about magazines forever fun fact there is a copy or there's a picture of young will wheaton in that book or not not nintendo power one the uh the um the previous newsletter to nintendo power the fun club magazine i remember seeing it all right yes yeah yes which issue is it say it off the top of your head it's one i'm cut it's the first one oh all right yeah got will wheaton standing next to his little brother and a really really creepy mascot mario that dude is an entertainment icon yeah he is uncommon games that aren't expensive yet stefan well so that's a tough conversation only because like i said there's really not a solidified market for the vast majority of the stuff right so um there, okay. as far i'm as... gonna cut you off before you say the same thing again uh <laughs> i think the odyssey 2 market is pretty solidified in that no one cares i think everyone i think uh everything is pretty much priced where it should be the expensive stuff is still a little bit pricey the cheap stuff is absolutely worthless I don't think there's anything that we would say to jump on right now if you need to jump on the set. Right. But things that, well, I, I, th- I think things like, like Monkey Shines comes to mind. Um, there's there's a couple titles that are not, um, that are in the, basically look at the adventure set or the challenger set and just buy all that stuff. Because if there's anything that's going to get any pricier, it's going to be the, the challenger set. Uh, just buy all that stuff too. Because if you actually get controllers, uh, those are the best games to play too. That wasn't the question. I know. Things to watch out for. Repros. Things like PAL Stadium events that you can get mixed up. Tell me about Brazilian games again. Brazilian games are... there's the, A lot of them get confused for the North American uh, versions because eBay sellers either list them poorly or intentionally deceive you. They have a little oval like star flash on them that says for Odyssey 2. So you would think like, oh, for the Odyssey 2. 
Right, but a lot of them will have like the uh, Atlantis uh, has this little starburst with um, I'm not sure what it, it probably just says new or something like that, but but it's got some actual Brazilian uh, on the cover, so um, so they're they're pretty easy to um, to pick out. If it says if it references itself as a video pack, it is not a U.S. release. The other thing, other stuff to watch out for: uh, computer intro comes with a spiral bound book um, that you so and that does not fit in the box. So you will have even if you have a quote unquote complete copy of computer intro in box, uh, there is an additional book. Uh, it's spiral bound. It has the same cover as the as the box art. Um, but uh, but yeah, the actual fully complete copy of uh, computer intro uh, needs that book. How did, um, do you know how that all came packaged originally? I I don't think there was an outer box for it. I don't know how it actually came no, packaged. No, no, I'm I would assume that it was shrink wrapped to it, but I don't know. That's one thing that you don't see a ton of is sealed uh odyssey 2 stuff i i actually looked out and got a lot that had that had a few uh sealed copies but but i don't commonly see uh actually sealed games yep Yep. and like you'll see a sealed atari 2600 games all the time so they're just not out there i don't know uh maybe they can't maybe they Uh, actually came sealed with a scotch tape in that case i would have had a lot of sealed (laughs) copies my whole set my whole set is sealed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um or it's it's glued shut due to water damage that's how they, they all came with water damage um the last thing to watch out for i think and i mentioned it before when you're buying the board games just make sure they're complete or just know that you'll be buying a few copies to complete your set and then end up with like some sad copy with like three pieces that you can't do anything with you know and again i mentioned the um the the homebrew uh market those those games are really nice looking so just uh make sure you know <laughs> when you're buying games uh whether or not you're buying uh a homebrew cuz you know i think you could mistake that on accident and i'd say for the imagic games uh atlantis and uh, demon attack the uh they reused their exact kind of same box art across many different platforms so the atari 2600 games uh, you won't get mixed up because those have a shiny box, but like the Vic 20 version of Atlantis and uh, of course the uh, video pack G7000 version look almost identical except for uh, the platform that they say on the box. So if you're looking in the wild, don't get excited every time you see an Atlantis box because it probably isn't for the Odyssey 2. Right. And again, those two boxes uh, are the the actual North American releases are a larger form factor with the cause sort of the VHS uh, aesthetic with a, a slide, a, a cardboard slide and a, a plastic tray. Yep. And uh, what's the current outlook for the system? How do we play it now? Uh, we don't. Yeah, most people doesn't. don't. <laughs> definitely yeah. doesn't. Yeah, uh, I don't think a lot of people are are clamoring to play Odyssey Two, but uh, and again, the, the most games are cheap enough that if you wanted to play it on original hardware, you could just do that. However, there are uh, a half dozen emulators for the platform, uh, and uh, on on various different platforms. Like there's a PC one and a Mac one, and a, and one for the Wii, and actually the GP Two X, which is a an emulator handheld. Um, then I actually have one of. I bought that a long time ago. Um, but yeah, so if you are, if you have a GP2X and you're clamoring for some Odyssey 2 games, uh, there's an emulator for you. Anyway, and to, to just kind of sandwich, sandwich the conversation in, uh, into why you would want, cause, cause I, I feel like we were a little mean to this console as we were talking about it. Oh, I love uh, it. Come on. 
and but uh, but saying you know reasons why it's terrible every step of the way. But again, if you you know if you wanna if you're looking at sets but are intimidated by size and you want something that's you know inexpensive and easy to attain and you know that these are the, these are the reasons why you are collecting for the Odyssey, um, not necessarily because you want the uh, the pinnacle of gameplay experience. Um, but uh, so yeah, I, I I think there's a lot of good reasons to collect for the system. I think it's it's fun and uh, fun to collect for rather. Um, and uh, and now is the time, or you know, and if you're if if Tyler is correct, then it it'll be the time for a while. The time. It will always be the time. Now and forever, it is the time to collect Odyssey too, because uh, it's super cheap. And uh, and yeah. And I think that pretty much says it. I think, I mean, we talked about this for a solid hour and I don't know that there's much more to say about Odyssey 2 unless we want to start going into game reviews. How do you feel about baseball? How do you feel yeah, about it's, golf? <laughs> it's tough to, to to spend a lot of time on a, on a system that uh, doesn't have a lot of variants and has 49 games. You know, I would... I think you know struggling to talk about Virtual Boy would be a would be a similar scenario. <laughs> yeah, <know>. So uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but you know I, I I think we just took the opportunity to do this because again I recently cl- uh, finished a set. Tyler also has a set, and uh, I think it was a a good uh, excuse for Tyler and I to talk without Johnny needing to uh, to jump in, even though he may still be back there somewhere listening. To be clear, Johnny said uh, <laughs> that he was going to be listening in and uh, uh, while me and Stefan were recording by ourselves, and I think we both thought he was serious. Yeah. Uh, that would have been it, real weird. Yeah, it's a little awkward. All right. He still might be back there. Um, Johnny would say, oh, there's only two of us. Let's skip it, but let's do the second part of our show. I'm going to stop okay. saying the second half of our show because... You uh, know, that's always bothered me, too, because it's never been a half. It's, it's been never. like the last, you know, 10 to 20 minutes of the show. Yeah. So, Stefan, so, what are you buying and what are you playing? Uh, I've been saying this the last few times on the show that I am still playing an enormous amount of EverQuest. Uh, <laughs> I, I uh, I'm... I'm on a progression server, uh, maining as a, a level 65 cleric. In fact, uh, this weekend is a good time to play if you want to play some live server EverQuest because it's a double XP weekend because of Memorial Day, which is the, it is Memorial Day weekend as of this recording. Uh, so now that I'm thinking about it, that advice doesn't matter because there's no way Tyler's going to cut this before the weekend. No, I got to uh, get this one out <laughs> this weekend. And we might be recording another episode sometime that I'm going to have to do next week. So, yeah, I've been playing a lot of EverQuest. I actually just got my uh, my cleric epic for those people who uh, know what I'm talking about. Don't. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was excited for that. Um, as far as purchasing is concerned, I don't think I had my, uh, I had bought a 20th, I, I know I had talked about my 15th anniversary print, uh, or rather the um, the uh, award, the internal Nintendo award um, for, you know, 15 years of service. Uh, and that's a, a, you know, a wall hanging print. Uh, but then since then, I also got the 20th uh, service award. So 20 years working for Nintendo, which is a gigantic solid bronze statue of Mario. And I know you've probably seen, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen my little Mario statues that they give to like uh, retailers and stuff. Uh, this thing is gigantic. You could absolutely murder someone with it. Um, and uh, and there's, there's photos. In fact, I'm using it as the, the head of it as my profile picture on Instagram. So you can go check that out if you want to. 
Are these, did you get your 15 back. and 20 year from the same person? I did, yeah, oh, but it was one of those things where... People. No, this this guy was a little bit uh, cagey as far as like he like he he was like well let's just make sure that like the deal for the fifteenth goes goes through first you know safely and then we'll talk about the twenty. Um, so it you're so a sketchy I dude. To, I could I could see doing that. Yeah, I mean sometimes you know these guys, especially when it comes to like n- internal Nintendo stuff. You know, to be fair, like they're they're they are a little bit concerned about the litigious nature of Nintendo and they're just concerned about letting things go. And I get it. You know, some of them, some of them are, are, are more uh, frightened than I think is necessary, but whatever. They might find your YouTube upload of like whoever, (laughs) what was it? Yeah. The retirement party for who? Uh, yeah, Minoru Arakawa. Oh yeah, they they actually did action against Nintendo action against you. Me for that. You must have advertised that or something. How did they find that? No, they found it naturally. Someone actually manually found that. That's that's something. I mean, you know, I use I use metadata, so there's you know there's like the Nintendo hashtag or whatever. But yeah, that was not an automated thing. That was someone on their legal team actually found that. You're on a list now. <laughs> yeah, which oh, you know, let me talk about it for a minute. So I've been getting a lot of people commenting on the uwc uh video recently about how it's been your nes maker game yeah so so taking a half step back uwc was an unreleased video game or an unreleased nes game that i had discovered like two months ago three months ago the plan is to release it publicly uh people are getting like crabby that i haven't released it yet i guess they are they feel entitled to a a free game that they don't own um and uh, and so i've gotten a lot of negative feedback recently about how i haven't released that game yet as I was just mentioning, I am absolutely 100% on Nintendo's radar right now, and I just don't necessarily, uh, like, I just need to be real careful about how I do this. I know the original plan was to do a physical release first. I don't think I'm going to be able to actually do that, uh, because they have actually commented to me via email about that topic specifically. Um, so it's going to get released, guys. I just have to figure out how we're going to do it. So just fucking relax there's my there's my bleep for the episode <laughs> fucking relax loving the bleep. it'll happen and uh so yeah i just wanted to address that because like people have been getting like super crappy about it and i'm like you have absolutely no right to this game i am releasing this out of the kindness and goodness of my heart i want to do it without getting the shit suit out of me relax yeah uh, that's all i gotta say about that I listen to to CU podcast and Pat the NES Punk, unpopular in a large portion of the game collecting community. Uh, one of uh, his opinions that I really disagree with is uh, he talks about game preservation and that basically uh, people who keep prototypes for themselves are, are big ass dicks. And on one sense, yes, if if a game is available, you know, it's by some defunct company, it's a cool thing to put it out there. On the other hand, like, I understand that the reason that they're keeping the prototype is because they want to increase the value of their physical one-of-a-kind object, but also, it's copywritten code, and it is illegal to put that out there. Is someone going to sue you for most of this, like, Atari ColecoVision crap? Probably not. You're still asking for them to commit a crime. Right. Well, and this game in particular, also, for those not familiar with it, this it's a wrestling game that uses actual licensed wrestlers in it 
So not only is it like licensed code that is, you know, as Tyler had mentioned, it's it's technically illegal for me to release, but like there are wrestlers whose characters are represented in there who though you know, either either they or the the WWE probably at this point, someone owns these characters. So I'm not only publishing code that is not mine, but the code is involves characters that I do not own. So again, relax. We'll figure it out. Like the the scary part is if it wasn't dumped and like you could die and that thing could be lost in a fire or something. As right. long as and it's that, preserved, like it that there's nothing that could be lost at this point. Right, that's been done. You know the the uh, there are um, historical preservation entities that have copies of this game. The, it is it has been safely dumped. It is safe as far as you know scholastic preservation is concerned. I'm sorry if you're antsy and you want to play this stupid wrestling game. Um, and, you know, without any regard to like my own legal safety, I don't even know what to tell you at this point. Like, and but but you can you can relax. It'll happen when it happens. You know, N- Just, Nintendo's going to raid your house. They're going to be like, actually, this NWC, this is property of Nintendo. Well, it's just one of those things where it's it's a uh, it's it's an av- it's, it's it's a snowball, right? Like, uh, you know, I got on their radar with the Arakawa video, and I just don't want to give them more and more excuses to come knocking on my door. So I just I I need to be careful with the things that I do, and I know that you know most of the people who are commenting are vocal minorities and they have no real concept of how the uh, legal process of doing this kind of thing works, uh, which is fine. But, um, but, you know, obviously as much as I want to look out for this community, I have to look out for my own safety first. So yeah, that's all I got to say about that. I want to just keep this topic going, but I just think uh, (laughs) there's like this fetishism to game preservation where like, it goes beyond how important it is to preserve games and it becomes like every last piece of code that has ever been written needs to be like the most important thing. Like, like if these people don't play UWC right now, like they're losing out on something in life. UWC is such a nothing nonsense game that literally doesn't matter to anybody that nobody knew existed a year ago. So it's cool, but it's like, even if that game did burn up in a fire, like, who cares dude yeah it's interesting that it is agnostic of what the game is it is interesting that there was a game that no one knew about that existed and now it's known it is a known quantity that is the interesting part and the only interesting part of of the find the actual game is whatever like sim city on nes like that's a hell of a thing to preserve that thing is awesome I don't know. There's other things like that. But anyway, yeah. we've been... But uh, So other things that I've been buying. I did buy other stuff. Um, I recently picked up um, a, um, a a packet of like cards and um, retailer information for the 1992 uh, Pepsi Mario promotion. 
Uh, I know we had recent or we had previously talked about this on the podcast as things that you shouldn't collect. But uh, the one thing that was in there that I really did want, and I just bought it as a lot, um, was the poster that there was a it was a giveaway poster uh, that uh, that was included in in that lot. And so it's it's actually one of my favorite pieces of art for Super Mario Land uh, or Super Mario World. Uh, I have posted pictures of it on my Instagram, so you can check that out. Um, the other other thing that I bought that I was really excited about recently, and this is actually the topic of my most recent YouTube video, so you can go check that out, is I picked up a copy of the uh, the pitch art from Deke Entertainment or Deke Animation for uh, the Metroid uh, Super Mario Brothers Power Hour uh, pitch, in which the artist was ill informed. And uh, and illustrated Samus as a man, um, so I I bought that piece, and then I was actually able to go over to the seller's place and check out a bunch of other uh, unreleased Deke Animation stuff that he had around the uh, Super Mario Brothers Power Hour and various other shows like Captain N and and some other stuff. But um, but yeah, so that's uh, the, all of that is on my uh, YouTube for you guys to see. But uh, but yeah, so I was I was pretty excited to be. Able How to grab many that. of those cells exist? Like I don't understand why that only went for a hundred dollars. I feel like that's super fucking cool. Uh, well, the the thing is, is that those are so. When you were talking about print creation for that kind of thing, um, you know, prior to Photoshop and all that jazz, um, these were created on photo paper using actual photo negatives. So the uh, the awkward thing about this is that there's a chance that you could then make tons of these um with the negatives but like can't, um, if you have like so, an original like ansel adams photograph isn't that worth more than if they just made a new one with a negative yeah but but i guess i guess it would be it would be easier to tell if there was another you know yeah. another one another one off like obviously people don't yeah. people don't know a ton about these right so like i i i just could see the my concern with these are that you know the the negatives absolutely exist, and so you could technically just with a photo enlarger make a ton of them. Um, so uh, I think that is sort of how. So to to take a step back on that, um, when that image was originally discovered, it was part of an eBay auction uh, that had four of these images. It was Castlevania, Metroid, Double Dragon, and um, California games. And so uh then so that caught like caught fire as far it went viral and was covered by Kotaku and all these, you know, video game outlets and uh that auction sold for $1,036, I think. Um and then the very next auction which was just the Metroid print, which is the one that I won, it was like 100 bucks. Okay. Um, so so I think I think what happened was that one sold. They saw him list another one, and everyone was like, "Well, oh, he just is going to print these to demand, kind of thing." So right. we, we don't even know. Okay, right. So now my copy is absolutely the same print as you know, if you look at the back, it says it has like the the paper manufacturer uh, waterprint on it or uh, watermark on it. So so it's definitely a vintage printing of this. But uh, I think people are sort of waiting to see how many of these are actually out there. All right. 
that's super cool. I mean, you got the one to have male Samus. It's got like the Metroid logos, like this dripping ooze. It looks like the mutant virus logo. Yep. It's pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like in, even if it was a copy, it's still pretty cool. Like I'd still yeah. hang it in the game room. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely fits in with all the nonsense you have. And if that guy is making illegal bootleg Metroid prints, Nintendo, you better come after him. That's your IP. You need <laughs> to shut him down. And then if they're coming after me. Yeah, they're going to come after you. After this me. is a bootleg Metroid print. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like I feel like this is the part of the... So when you're doing the intro for the show, Tyler, you got to like say, like, hey, you should hang out for our, our second part because that's like where the interesting content is. <laughs> All right, all right. Yeah, you did buy like ridiculous stuff. Are you done? Are you done buying stuff this week? This three weeks, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, probably. So there, there's. Oh God, I really want to talk about it, but I'll probably talk about it the next episode. There's, yeah, you got to save stuff. We might be recording tomorrow. Yeah, and I've got a, I've got a, I've, I've got this thing that I've been like, it's, I've been working on this guy for like six months, trying to get, get him to sell me this thing, and I think I've finally done it. So I really, really want to talk about it, but I don't want to like put the cart before the horse. So Stefan, you're uh, so lucky. How do you just find all this super rare one of a kind stuff? You're just so lucky working on this one so, guy for I six months. So, <laughs> I am so, so lucky. These things just fall into my lap. There's absolutely no hustle to be done. No, again, I didn't even rant about this. Johnny was kind enough to rant on my behalf. I do a tremendous amount of uh, legwork to find these things. So uh, please don't think that all this crap just falls into my lap some of it does to be fair when you are you know there are advantages to being a collector that collects a lot and and puts you know i you know i put my name out there as you know a guy that buys stuff right um and and there are advantages to that you know some things do come to you right people are like oh i hear you're the guy who buys stuff like this i have this thing that does happen um but the vast majority of it is me doing a tremendous amount of research and legwork. Um, that so uh, so so yeah, I don't. Uh, these things just don't fall into my lap. All right, so I get to follow you buying uh, male Metroid, male Samus Aran, and uh, a twenty-year Nintendo Service Award. So th- th- I, it always looks great following Stefan. I gotta say. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, the 20 year service award. Um, yeah, I made some kind of stupid joke on the Nintendo Age Facebook uh, about Nintendo being like 100 years old. So you should have uh, more service awards, something like that. And like three <laughs> people in a row were just total dicks to me. Uh, so people always say like Nintendo Age people are dicks. And that was the first like I never see that on the forums. Like if I do see it on the forums, it's like, OK, there's guys that, you know, are dicks on there. Uh, but, you know. I don't know. That's the first time like I ever got like that. Oh man, Nintendo Age people are real dicks for just no fucking reason. Well, I mean, part of uh, you They're know, like, what you not- don't even know that Nintendo is 127 years old, and you call yourself <laughs> a fan. I'm like making a but, fucking joke. But you know, as as much as I want to believe that everyone listens to this podcast, not everyone listens to this podcast, and so when we joke with each other on public forums like we joke with each other privately um i I, people i think sort of mis misread that as you actually attacking me when obviously you're my podcast co-host you're a good friend you're not attacking me like but they didn't know that because they don't listen to this podcast so i feel like it was it was mostly that 
No, they were they were being pretty dicky. But okay. <laughs> I, I like my opinion of Nintendo Age as a whole went down a little. Nintendo Age just sold, by the way. But I feel like Johnny has more opinions on that. Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Anyway, what did I actually buy? Uh, I've been keeping up on the Nintendo Cardboard Train. Uh, definitely not buying black box games because they are freaking nuts. Which is fantastic. Guys, if you comic people... If there's this new guy that joined Nintendo Age, literally his introduction post is like, hey guys, just found Nintendo Age. I'd really like to buy the original 17 black box game sealed mint. Uh, I have nothing right now. Let me know what you have. It's like, holy shit, you just came out of nowhere. You're looking for a sealed black box set. What the hell? Tyler, I desperately want to talk about this, but I believe this is pretty much the topic that uh, Johnny wants to cover tomorrow. Yeah, I know. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, Yeah. Anyway, um, forget NES. I've been buying a uh, Super Nintendo, uh, so I got uh, complete Super Mario RPG, which I accidentally bought two of, because um, that's how things work when you're really desperate to buy games. I keep got a Luffy. list, folks. What? I said keep a list, folks. No, it was uh, I I got one in a forum deal, and then I forgot that I had a snipe set up on Gixon, and my snipe went through, and I got that one too. I got Lufia one and two. I got Contra three. And I got Metroid 2 on the Game Boy. Uh, those cool. games those games are good. But they're not as good as a 20-year Nintendo Service Award. Uh, and I don't have anything like super one-of-a-kind interesting. I got I got Nescape. Uh, Nescape on the NES. I got a... a what is it? I guess it's a review copy, but it looks identical to the Kickstarter copies. It's on Kickstarter right now. I guess I can promote it because it's a good game. K-Hang Games. It's a Room Escape game. For the NES. It's like those old Flash from Escape games. It's a lot of fun. I don't think it's fair to to directly compare the things that I buy versus the things that you buy, because we're just not collecting the same <laughs> stuff right now. Like uh, I don't yeah. like when was the last time I talked about buying a game? Like not as, as unless it was like an opportune thing where I like bought a whole set of Pico. Um, you know, I don't I haven't really been buying games, right? I've just been buying this this all this weird stuff. And so like you know, God, I, are the last just, games you bought that Pico set? What are you doing with your life? I think I bought some. You know, I bought a, a handful of like Game Boy games and and LCD games, but but just <laughs> oh as like targets of opportunity. But uh, but yeah, I haven't really been like collecting games really, unless like I happen to be at a show and like. Uh, oh yeah, we haven't name dropped Red the Game Shark this episode. So unless I happen to be at a show and Red the Game Sharks there, and I buy like Super Famicom games from him, but like that's like that's typically how my game buying habits have been now. Where it's just like, oh, I'll be out with Johnny or whatever, and and I'll pick something up. But like I'm not actively hunting for games right now because I have all this other stuff that I'm interested in. Well, I, I distinctly remember, like, a couple episodes ago, me and Johnny said something like, I try to look past all the bullshit people have, because all I really care about are what games and what hardware they have. And you're just buying up all the bullshit. But, I mean, you get such yeah. freaking ridiculous, awesome bullshit in your three f***ing World of Nintendo cabinets. F*** you, Stefan, and your cool f***ing collection <laughs> of stuff. I have there's so Tyler, many loose home Tyler's, carts. <laughs> there's Tyler's bleeps for the episode. <laughs> what have you been playing? You've been playing anything? played nescape nescape's cool beyond oasis have you played beyond oasis on the sega genesis and not in a very long time but yes people mention this game in the same breath as zelda and people also say it's a good game and both of those things are entirely wrong do you want to fight me 
No, I think Shining in the Darkness also is that for me, as far as Genesis is concerned. Like, I hear that brought up in that conversation a lot, and I don't think they're similar games. Yeah, but it's not Zelda. Like, it's a dungeon crawler. It's totally different. Yeah. So, Beyond Oasis, it's like an isometric beat em up. And I guess it's like Zelda ish in that it's an overworld game, but it's totally linear. Uh, The hit detection is garbage, and it's not super fun. And it's, uh, Oh, God, what's the Streets of Rage guy? Yuzo Kashiro? It's his worst soundtrack. So just about everything about this game made me not enjoy it. Oh, you know what else I was playing? Um, my uh, my daughter. So I was playing the most recent Dragon Quest 18 or the fuck they're up 12. I don't even I don't remember. Um, but the most recent Dragon Quest for uh, uh, for a couple weeks. And my daughter is four and she can't really distinguish between a video game and a cartoon so she wanted me like she would watch me play and ask me to play dragon quest so she could watch me play dragon quest she thought it was a show um and so so she's been like really into watching me play jrpgs so i have been uh i have been slogging through and not slogging it's a great game but i've been playing through uh final fantasy 10 uh the remaster on ps4 uh, because my daughter thinks it's a cartoon and she's way into it. We live in this world where so many video games are basically movies and you pick JRPGs, a game full of just random battles that are the same thing over and over and text boxes. So it sounds like a great fit. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the repetition is what kids at that age are all about. You know, like there are shows structured around that kind of repetition. Like, you know, Teletubbies, Teletubbies, oh Teletubbies is a very famous example. But even like uh, Sesame Street and all those games, they're, they're, all those uh, shows, they're, they're all about repetition. So yeah, it works really well for her. So yeah, we've been uh, playing through Final Fantasy X. All right. I hope that wasn't your last game because we're probably recording something tomorrow. Got to save them. Guys, I got stuff saved in the bank. Spoiler alert. I did not say everything I bought or played. What? Oh, so I have to go buy stuff tonight. <laughs> Close that deal. I think. Uh, it might happen. I, what? It'll happen this weekend. I think it's going to happen this weekend. All right. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I think it's uh, the time has come for this hour and 35 minute long Odyssey 2 podcast to come to a close. Do you have any last thoughts about the Magnavox Odyssey 2 Philips Video Pack G7000? No, I, you know, I'd just be regurgitating what we said previously there's reasons to collect for it we talked about it twice um johnny doesn't like it so johnny specifically said before we started the show like you better like give me the reason to for anyone to ever collect this yeah and we did that twice uh yes we did so so stefan's reason is that it's cheap as hell it's cheap and the boxes are fun and uh and it's 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 a it's a good entry point for set collecting uh, when you are looking at these larger sets and being intimidated by them. It's true. And I talked about some gameplay with some of my favorite vintage games, Quest for the Rings and Pickaxe Pete. And Johnny doesn't like that because he can't talk about gameplay. Collecting's not about the gameplay; it's about putting things on goddamn shelves. <laughs> but he's not here. Take that, Johnny. <laughs> like, let's just argue with Johnny right now. We're All taking right. over the podcast. Eat it. I gotta, I gotta put us back on the rails and say, Stefan, where can we find you, wherever? You can find me on Instagram at Archon nineteen eighty one A R C H O N nineteen eighty one. Same thing for YouTube. Uh, I try to publish you to YouTube weekly. It never works out that way. Um, but uh, 
But yeah, so check that out. Um, I'm also on Nintendo Age as Archon 1981. Basically, some permutation of either Archon or Archon 1981 all, all over the place. So yeah, I'm check all, it out. All those same places as Default Gen, Default G-E-N, or Game TZ, I guess. No one goes to Game TZ, but hey, I'm there talking about retro games. All right, yeah. uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs>